It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and I hope you celebrated with gusto. Even if you celebrated with fewer people than you probably had in mind. I hope you had a great celebration of the end of the national Trump nightmare. I know that probably wasn't what Thanksgiving was originally written up as, But I think we could say that the original idea of Thanksgiving has been uh, usurped by a more pressing issue to thank the end of the Trump administration impending. Anyway, the future Biden administration. As I noted on last show, welcome to our special episode. I thought that in light of the Thanksgiving holiday and the end of the Trump administration, It would be appropriate to go back to the very source of Forward Nation Radio, our founder and creator, Damian Hardeen. Damian created Forward Nation Radio because of the fact that this country had done the unimaginable in elect an incompetent, narcissistic criminal as president of the United States. Being frustrated about the misinformation or disinformation, as Damian describes it, that led the American public to make such a disastrous decision. As such, he was motivated to create another outlet, perhaps an antidote, if you will, to the disinformation that gave us Donald Trump. So since we started this venture together, I thought there's no better person to go to to talk about what he sees now as the future of this country. He is more optimistic. Spoiler alert, he is about where we stand and where we look to be going forward, including the discussion of our media and maybe how we write the ship of disinformation. So without further ado, I'd like to go to my interview with Damien Hardeen. Of course, I've been thinking about you regarding the election, and it made me think, Damien, as as we approach Thanksgiving, Gee, is there anything that you're thankful for right now? (laughs) I am so thankful that the election results uh, have been what they are, considering how the show was was started four years ago, uh, seeing just a lot of weird stuff culminate, and obviously it's just gotten weirder uh, from there. But I also enjoy seeing Donald Trump lose not only... uh, this election, but this election every day, yes. <laughs> over and over again, <laughs> and, and, and that I take some sort of pleasure in that. Even though you know, obviously, it's like, okay, guys, what what are you doing? You know, it's this is obviously a done deal. But <clears throat> that actually serves a, I think, a good purpose going forward because, as as you know, the 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 um. The voter fraud has been a big line for Republicans and their media for a very long time. Uh, This, being drawn into the limelight the way it is, being rejected by so many judges, I think inadvertently just shines a much-needed spotlight into that whole false claim 
about voter suppression, voter fraud, uh, not voter suppression, but, but voter fraud being an, an issue. Uh, so I think maybe that can, um, that can be a positive. I think, first of all, I love, I love your first illusion. I, I take a perverse pleasure. It's unprofessional. It's childish. But all the people calling him loser all the time, loser Trump, loser, I just love it because you know how much this has to hurt. And yes, I'm petty enough that I want this guy to suffer and I want him to hurt. But um, yeah, you know, it, it, a lot of the big question, of course, is how we come out of this. It's nice to see the judges rejecting these pathetic arguments. But does, you know, does that mean that, that truth is on its way back? Or does that mean that the arguments are just so insane at this point that four years from now they're going to have to be a little bit better? That they're setting the, the groundwork for the arguments to not be as extreme. I, I've talked about on the podcast, I talk in class all the time, you've heard this. You know, you don't jump from A to F ethically or, or in anything in America. You just don't make big leaps. You go by progression. And it may be that in this case, Trump's taking too big a leap to try to steal this election, but does that mean that the progression isn't going to happen in four years? Four years from now or eight years from now, we're going to find somewhat better arguments about voter, fake, fake arguments, but somewhat more realistic arguments about voter fraud that are doing better in the courts. Yeah, that brings up two things. Uh, that brings two things to mind. Uh, yes, I think it's possible that the bar has been just so lowered uh, that the next guy that comes in, I mean, the, the media apparatus is still there. You know, people, It would be a mistake uh, for people to think that uh, with Trump gone, uh, that this goes away because uh, the guys who normalize this, the media guys who normalize this, conservative media, the radio guys in particular, that's where it starts, um, they're still there. And they're there to normalize the next guy that comes in. And the next guy that comes in is probably not going to be that obvious as, as to the corruption and, and things that, he's, that he or she is doing. Uh, so... Um, so yeah, the, the bar has been lowered. Uh, that mechanism is still there. The positive about it is that a few months ago, uh, I had met uh, and a lot of people uh, in the media uh, studies program met with other students in Columbia and Cornell Tech, um, NYU, uh, the new school. And what's really reassuring is that challenging and overcoming disinformation seems to be central uh, in their minds in terms of what they just want to have fixed. Uh, disinformation is a relatively new word; it didn't even exist in, in our vocabulary. It comes from it comes from the Russian word disinformatsiya, which really only made its way into our uh, well, made its way into the world um, in the 1920s when Stalin uh, took over. Uh, he used disinformatia as an actual tactic uh, to breed distrust and division and chaos. We didn't even have uh, disinformation as a as a word uh, before before that. So there's a derivative uh, from it, but now it's a household name, and I think it's important that people know the difference between disinformation and misinformation. Misinformation being 
something that you spread uh, either knowingly or unknowingly without uh, expecting a, a, an actual cause or uh, something to happen because of a disinformation that's done on purpose where uh, you you're trying to have some sort of outcome because of, of your purposeful use of disinformation. So I see that that's on everybody's radar right now is challenging disinformation. Um, Facebook needs to catch up, uh, but I'm happy to say that from the last time that Twitter uh, was engaged in this in 2016, on this show, I had spoken to you about all the Russian trolls and uh, the activity that was going on. That really didn't happen to any degree uh, this time around, uh, which I found very interesting. And that's because Twitter did a couple of things. They got much better at dealing with the issue and they physically moved um, response buttons so that like the, uh, the retweet button and things like that, uh, so that a bot or artificial intelligence would have to take some time to learn that. And that just didn't happen uh, this time around. So the that disinformation campaign, uh, you could visually see was um it was there you could see it but it had no big impact at all uh so there's a lot of media theorists that that said or some say some have said that really uh the russian um efforts didn't do much to sway the election i could not disagree more um and some of the some of the proof in that is, is what you see with uh, with how this election, but especially on, on Twitter, uh, with taking control of the disinformation uh, phenomenon that, that was happening. Uh, it just basically wasn't a factor. Uh, or, or it wasn't a decisive factor at the very least. You still got 73 million votes for Donald Trump. Certainly disinformation has to be a factor there. Now, you mentioned that until recently, maybe America didn't have the same kind of disinformation apparatus. I assume you're not saying that we didn't have disinformation. We just necessarily didn't necessarily have it as such an organized thing like under Stalin or under other fascist, basically fascist regimes. Is that, is that your point? It just sort of wasn't this formalized and this structured. Uh, it wasn't as efficient, um, because before, uh, the internet, uh, we actually have ex-KGB, uh, guys who have attested to the fact that they were planting disinformation here, and it's, it's, uh, it's a long game. Uh, it would take decades for it to come to fruition, and it feels like it has come to fruition now, but, uh, we've heard from these guys since, uh, the mid-80s, 1984 was the first time I've, I've heard about one of these guys, I forget his, his name. <clears throat> um, but they've been trying with that. The fact that with with the internet and the digital age, information just comes so fast and that there aren't regulations in place uh, to weed those things out. We're still heavily relying on self-regulation. I mean, look at Zuckerberg and <clears throat> his snail's pace at, at addressing the issue. Uh, but the fact that we had the technology that enabled this to become such a massive threat. Um, I think that that's one, that is the biggest uh, reason why why it, it, it's come up in Vitus uh, so much now. You, you talk about, uh, there's 
a lot to be happy about that America, or some of America at least, seems to be attuned, a little bit more attuned to this. And some social media has made strides in trying to address this. But of course, the fact that that some sort of Twitter has done stuff to flag false tweets has got Republicans have gotten almost half of this country up in arms, effectively saying, by cracking down on false speech, on disinformation, you are attacking Republicans. I, I find I, I talked about this on the show last week. I, it's a remarkable thing for a political party to come out and say, basically, by cracking down on lies, you are biased against us, which is exactly what they're saying. And you've got 40-something percent of this country who's absolutely buying that argument. It, it's yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> there, you know, Rush Limbaugh isn't doing very well health-wise. Um, it's, it's a damn shame. We, we, should we have a moment of silence? Uh, I think we just had one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no love lost with with, the, with that guy um, because it basically he's he even has admitted that his show is just straight up entertainment uh, that it's um, it's just a business he fancies himself a, a great businessman uh, and it's up to you if you basically want to take what he's saying um, as doctrine and and that's the thing a lot of people do and and that's and he knows that and that's what makes it so hard but the next in line the person who's next in line is this guy mark levin um who's recently been uh <clears throat> uh since well he he calls it censored but basically the the flags went up on facebook about his thing so he's he's on twitter trying to get everybody to go over to parlor uh which is a new twitter at twitter like um uh, website for conservatives. A safer space for for absolute lunatics. Uh, for yeah. The, for the non-reality-based community. A safer space, which is also something I wanted to ask you about. It's actually a radicalizing sort of site. It's not too, dis it's not too dissimilar uh, from the sites that you see where Al-Qaeda, um, where they've tried to recruit, and ISIS, where, where they've tried to recruit. The tactics are are pretty much the same in terms of their their appeals. It's completely one hemisphere. It is uh, reportedly ran by um, Bob Mercer. Uh, <clears throat> so, so to to the to your point, Mark Levin on Twitter recently, just uh, two weeks ago, uh, came out and said to his crowd uh, on Twitter, said, "Facebook is banning me uh, by." By putting a flag on these as lies, follow me over to Parlor uh, now before it's too late. And it's just so funny because I mean, what he's saying is, I'm a liar. I've been caught lying. Follow me over into this into this this space. And it, it, that's just it's just crazy. But Parlor's just been hacked like uh, last last yesterday. Sometime it's just been hacked. I don't know what the outcome of it, of it was. But um, it's it's just very interesting. They probably got a lot of fake names, a lot of fake addresses, a lot of other fake information. If somebody hacked into it, you know, you you, you mentioned entertainment, sort of, and this this is this is sales. You know, entertainment is is the circus. Entertainment is clowns. Entertainment is guys on ice skates with hockey sticks. Entertainment is not burning down democracy. And yet, of course. 
entertainment right now is burning down democracy. Not just entertainment, but very, very lucrative entertainment for people who are willing to do it, who have so little scruples and so little morals and so little concern about what happens to the future of the world that they are willing to profit mightily off of destroying democracy. Yeah, and their biggest argument, um, let's say with, with the Fairness Doctrine, which um, for people who are not familiar with the Fairness Doctrine, was in place between 1949 and 1987, mandated that anybody with a broadcast license had to give equal airtime, roughly equal airtime, uh, to opposing views when it came to matters of social importance, uh, such as politics. When that was gone, just a year after it was gone, Rush Limbaugh said, uh, great, I'm going to go ahead and, and do my show over in New York, uh, just one year later, 1988, is when he started his show. And he's always railed against uh, the Fairness Doctrine because he, he brought up free speech. Um, unlike what you're saying, uh, you know, clowns are entertainment and such. But the free speech argument to me is just very interesting because we don't have absolute free speech here. You know, there, there is sedition. You know, there are, there's truth in advertising, there's libel. Um, obscenity. You know, right. Uh, the famine. Whatever's, whatever's left of obscenity. <laughs> <laughs> whatever's left of, of, of obscenity, um, which... Which one of one of which is includes uh, child pornography, um, which um, we won't even get into a particular party, and uh, and their associations with um, with uh, these uh, these uh, sexual uh, crimes that, that they're involved in. But it, it's the, the sex offenders, I should say. <clears throat> um, but the Jeffrey Epstein's. We can say it. I think he's dead. I think we can say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but God, Roy Moore just came to mind for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah. so, so it, it's it's a kind of thing where, where we don't have these things. I mean, you can't perjure yourself. You know, that there's that that's a crime. We don't have absolute free speech, and I think that the reason for that obviously is for protections. You know, um, and that's one thing that the Fairness Doctrine did. Now, if they bought it back, I would like I would like to see them expand it uh, to cover cable and to cover digital realms uh, as well. And I think that that could be a focus. Um, you know, it's this whole argument. I, I, I wonder what, what side of the fence you fall on uh, with this, uh, regulating uh, some of these things versus uh, the <clears throat> the notion of democratization of the internet, letting uh, information call out fake information and such because maybe that could still work but it, it hasn't and look how far we've, we've fallen with it but what, what do you think i think i look i mean you know i've been wrestling with this since we started the show this was most of your motivation to start the show right to forward the the, the spread of false information the rise of trumpism that that was founded on the spread of false information. That's what caused you to start Forward Nation Radio. And it's certainly something that I've been talking about from the very beginning, if not on every show, not on every show, but every month on a show, it, it comes up. I mean, this is the $64,000 question of our age. Like, what do we do about this rise of disinformation, as you correctly refer to it? How do you, how do you deal with this in a civilized society? How does a civilized society survive when when we live in different realities, ultimately. I was having a conversation recently with, with my brother-in-law in Thailand, 
who said, you know, your media is all about opinion now. It's all about opinion. And, I, and he went on for a long time, and he was right, essentially. But when he was finished, I said, that's not the problem. The problem isn't that just that it's all about opinion. There's nothing wrong with differences of opinion. The problem is our media is about different facts. And people who watch Fox News live in a different reality, one that doesn't exist for in actual reality. There is such a thing as objective truth. So this is a $64,000 question. How do you deal with this? I've, I've been a lifelong member of the ACLU. And yet, I, so anyway, I, I think we need to use every tool in our quiver, so to speak. And I think there needs to be more effort made at good media, trustworthy media, honest media. But the fact is, 100 million Americans are not going to partake of it. Even if it's there on their dinner plate, they're going to go eat out. It, it, they're, they're just not going to get it. So there's got to be something else in addition to that. And I just think somehow we're going to have to figure out a way to adjust our free speech rules for the 21st century that, that in a way that doesn't allow people to lie to people, that you can't spread false information. We understand how dangerous this is at this point. Yeah, and I, in, in, other, in other spheres, it could, it could be applied to politics as well. Um, Right. If you if you could prevent a breakfast cereal from lying about the number of calories, and to be fair, I'm not sure that we're that we're preventing breakfast cereals from lying about the number of calories. I think, for instance, about all the fast food restaurants that are lying about the calorie counts. But at least in theory, they're not allowed to lie. And I I I don't see how you don't expand that somehow at this point. You people just shouldn't be able to lie to people. Yeah, I mean, you have laws where you can't, you know, meander in and out of um, out of your lane when you're driving. It doesn't prevent it from ever happening, but it does keep people safer. Uh, and that that would be the that would be the thing is to keep democracy safe because keeping democracy safe means keeping people safe. Well, now you're taking away my freedom. You know, I hate that. You don't you don't let me you don't let me drive all over the Long Island Expressway. I hate that. Oh, is that you? That's, I hate that. That's me and a lot of others. You know, like. like 20,000 people a day. But um, but you'd be happy to know uh, that we're in, in this field, the focus is shifting to very specific remedies or possible remedies uh, to combat disinformation. And the first issue is to be able to tackle uh, the information bubbles. Uh, the information bubble, basically, where if you start looking up one thing uh, the companies start gathering your information. They're able to, to do um, these psychographics on you to know who you are <clears throat> in time better than your mother knows you. Uh, and that, that sort of information can all be ascertained by likes, even just something as, as simple as clicking likes, and it is used. Uh, so what happens is that these information bubbles, they just feed you the... Uh, news that they think that you're going to like because at the end of the day the thing that they all want the thing that they talk about in their boardrooms is this thing called engagement uh, where you and where all they're looking to do is to drive engagement because that drives eyeballs it drives two sources of revenue for them uh, that meaning the websites like social media platforms like Facebook uh, where not only does it help with their advertising but it also helps with them being able to uh, sell your your um, psychographic information to third-party sources, and they use it themselves. They're the first-party source. Um, so 
those two things perpetuate uh, or, or just having the information bubble just perpetuates these two different realities that, that you were talking about. Uh, so uh, the good news about that from what I'm seeing is that through uh, awareness of this sort of surveillance uh, that, that happens, um, I've seen uh, interest in significant widespread broad interest and especially some of the younger minds that are going to be entering these fields to be able to try to pass legislation uh, where using your information in such a way uh, as to create these information bubbles uh, would be illegal or much harder to do. And we already see like some instances of, of these things happening because, you know, just about 10 years ago, you really didn't have a choice in terms of what cookies you wanted to have on your on your computer system. Now, uh, a lot of times there's an option that pops up that says, hey, can we put cookies on your system? If not, click this little teeny tiny dot here. And then when you click that dot, then you can actually not select your information going to um, third party sources or marketing and things like that. Same thing with like the Can Spam Act uh, that George W. Uh, put out. You know, before then, you know, you're getting calls at all times, but you know, when that went into effect, you got that a lot less. So I, I feel like the same thing can be done uh, with the internet. And there seems to be a there seems to be a fire lit um, in the awareness of of the problem. So if you can minimize those information bubbles, um, then you can open up. Uh, other facts or realities or events, uh, truthiness. <laughs> right. So on the except actual truth, you against right. truthiness. So in other words, let's figure out ways where we could try to get some people out of the bubble they are in, and at the same time, what you were mentioning before, the hopeful sign about people caring about this issue now, people caring about news is maybe have a significant enough majority in this country wanting to be informed and taking the time to be informed as opposed to misinformed where and this is you know this has been a theme from the show from the very beginning theme of the show from the very beginning i i've argued for a long time there aren't that many trump supporters you're going to get to bring onto your side that the best option is going to be to beat them and marginalize them and, and that brings us up against the issue, which is for another day, in fact, pretty much every other day, of somehow uh, stopping minority rule in this country, which is what we've had in so long. The Republicans have done so much to institute because they are a minority party. But if we can get a, a governing mass of informed people, we can work on informing those who don't want to be informed, but for the most part, we could just overwhelm them at the ballot boxes, assuming we still have ballot boxes in two or four years. And yeah, absolutely. I really feel like, like <clears throat> a lot of, again, just a lot of people feel like when Trump goes away, this goes away. But that's, that to me is like, that's like taking a fire extinguisher and just brushing the top of the flame as opposed to the base. A lot of this stuff does start on conservative radio. You mentioned that there's a minority. There's about 34% of the country that uh, considers themselves conservative. Yet, when it comes to the airwaves, uh, radio airwaves, <clears throat> um, you have 91% of the political talk shows, of the talk shows actually, uh, are conservative, whereas um, the 9% 
uh, are left-leaning, and some are in the, in the middle. They talk about some other things, but they're they're mostly talking about politics, uh, both sides. 91% versus 9. Uh, you have 87.75 um, million uh, fans who are listening to conservative radio uh, as compared to um, just under 15 million uh, for uh, progressives. Um, so a lot of people are just being driven into these constant states of uh, fear and outrage. And it came out recently that, yeah, um, well, maybe not so recently, but uh, that Facebook is very into using uh, things that, that will uh, stir outrage because they know the material is shareable. And that increases their engagement, you know, the thing that, that they're going after. Um, so the, the fear factor and the outrage factor, uh, they just have to always keep ginning that up. And that's how we got here is because, you know, it started with the Russian bomb. He was the absolute start of this. Uh, nobody else did a show like, like his. That's the epicenter of it. And then for ratings, because it was so profitable, because this guy was making like $400 million at times uh, a year. Um, and it would, that mean that's so profitable that, that a lot of, of these other guys just came out and, and they're competing with, shit with each other for, for this airtime um, and for, for ratings. <clears throat> Rush Limbaugh has 15.5 million listeners. Just below him is Sean Hannity. With 50, he has a radio show. Uh, 15 million uh, listeners. And and then the other guys reach into like the the eight million um, uh, range, but that's a lot of people to hear the same messages being broadcast over and over and over again for three hours a day each show, whereas radio presents this very unique thing that no other medium has. You can listen to it almost anywhere in your car, or at work, on the beach because you know it's it's radio, and. You, you have the choice of whether you actively listen to it or if you just have it on in the background. And for those all those reasons, uh, people listen to radio for a lot longer than they do consume um, other forms of media. And they listen intently because it's a one-way conversation uh, where this person uh, says the same things over and over again. People uh, fall into the echo chamber, and then it's on repeat, like a 360 form of marketing in a weird way, where now that that's the governing notion, now they've inspired their people to believe these things. So now, if you're a politician, if you want to be voted for, you have to kind of take on some of these things uh, and, and pretend that they're real. And then a show like TV shows like Fox or OAN, um, they're also pulled further and further, uh, specifically because of, of radio. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, with digital uh, media because digital media and podcasts like Four Nation Radio, uh, they're enjoying more of a of a, an even split in the audience. Um, younger people uh, listen to podcasts politically. Um, more left-leaning people listen to podcasts uh, politically, not more than, than current service, but it balances out a lot more. Uh, so there, there is hope uh, for something like that. Okay, let's sort of, sort of leave the conversation on a positive, or this part of the conversation on a positive note. You know, some guy, I have this memory of some guy drumming into my head be conscious of time. Don't run long. Don't get... <laughs> you 
and I think you know who that is. Uh, it's a lesson. It's a lesson, as you know, that I that I only take fitfully, at best. But uh, it's the, the the people that you've been talking about. It's one thing. Rush Limbaugh performs a service for the wealthy, where he convinces people to support more money, things that get more money for the wealthy. And it's kind of scary that he now serves a dual purpose. He's able to do that. I think Rush Limbaugh would be on even if he wasn't generating a lot of money because he's spreading the misinformation that people need him to spread. But at the same time, the guy's now bring, raking in boatloads of cash. It's just unbelievable. So you've got the fact that you're paid to be a liar and you're profitable. You're tremendously profitable in doing it. Yep. Meanwhile, you, you talk about the way the, the media is moving. We're now at a point in America where Fox News is too liberal for it's not just Twitter it's now Fox News is being attacked on the right so the Overton window continues to move in in, in many respects to the right well maybe the Democrats are also moving to the left so the Overton window is getting a lot bigger but Fox News is now too liberal so they need to go to the safety of Newsmax and One America News and all the other bullshit it won't last it's kind of like they Let's, need what they get from 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 Fox News because Fox News appeals to people in a different way. They re, they appeal to the reptilian brain, so to speak. OAN. I haven't checked out Newsmax, of course, but OAN. They try to take the tone uh, that the BBC has, this serious sort of thing, and just cherry pick what they want and just kind of create their own narratives. It doesn't really appeal to the reptilian brain that's been so successful in keeping a conservative audience. So, oh. Okay, let's hope. Again, on a positive note, I just, as a last thought before we go, I say you started Forward Nation Radio as sort of a response to Trumpism and the rise of the right and misinformation. It started after the election of Donald Trump. We've now come through a whole other election. Are you feeling, are you feeling emboldened? Are you feeling happy from the last election? Is that your, you, you have a, positive outlook, David. It's always nice talking to you. You're informed and you have a more positive outlook than I have. So are you looking at this positively? I am overwhelmingly looking at this positively. The The only negative, I'll, I'll jump into the positive a little bit more here, but the only negative was that seeing that, yes, there were a lot of people who voted for, uh, for Trump and that um, racism seems to have just been, you know, just overtly so emboldened and, and whatnot. But, um, and also the, the, the disrespect for uh, democratic norms in general. But I am very positive because of uh, some of the people in the field of media uh, where these issues are burning very brightly in, in their consciousness. It's something that they want to avoid like you would if you were a child who did something wrong and your parents took out a belt or whatever whatever it was. <clears throat> People are, are mentally scarred from this. Uh, so it's... Um, You're talking to one of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that a lot of people who are listening to this right now <laughs> might, might be able to associate, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, it is the kind of thing where it's now, because it's been so audacious that it's, it's really burning brightly in people's heads right now, and people are actively thinking about what they're going to do to overcome it. So we do have, a, we do have a, an opportunity 
to be able to address all of this uh, in a way where we can bring some maybe good legislate uh, some good legislation, uh, some good conversations, and being able to push back against uh, voter suppression, and that's extremely important. Um, if there's one thing I would say is to treat the midterms as importantly as you can treat uh, the general elections um, for president, because we see what happens uh, when you have the current majority leader <clears throat> and his tactics. So, yeah, as always, we're, we're, th this is an ongoing story that's going to play out over the next few years, and we'll... Well, the, the next big mile. Well, the next big milestone is Georgia, of course, in, in less than two months. But then after that, we're just at 2022, and we're doing this all over again. But th thanks for the positive spin, and and of always the the media education. It, it's always great talking to you. You come back on soon. You and I, of course, will keep talking. Otherwise, we come back on the show soon. Yeah, thank you. All right, Damian Hardeen, founder of Forward Nation Radio. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Thanks again to Damien Hardeen and thanks to you, our listeners, for whom I am thankful. I will speak to you all soon. Until then, be well and be safe. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 